Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to the latest episode of Marketing B2B Technology, the podcast from Napier. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Halley, who's the CMO of Binder. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be here. Great. So Binder is a a company that um, does digital asset management. But before we talk about the company in detail, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in uh, this sector of marketing technology? Yeah, sure. Happy to, Mike. So I guess uh, most pertinently, I'm I'm here in Boston, speaking to you from home, of course, as most of us are these days. Uh, after you know, starting my career after school and consulting in venture capital for a few years, the last uh, you know, slightly more than two decades, I've been doing software, software as a service, uh, and, and marketing. I, I really, my favorite stage, having done kind of you know, raw pre-product startup through larger public companies is, is the scale-up stage, right? When a company's figured out how to solve an important problem for customers and it's all about you know scaling that up um so that's that's what binders at that stage um about half my career has been in the martech realm also i really enjoy you know marketers are always happy to tell their stories i love you know that the technology of marketing so it's been an industry that i've been in so when when binder was looking for marketing leadership back in 2019 it was a great uh, a great fit Fantastic. So, um, what is it that uh, Binder offers? What's the what's the product you offer? Well, as you said, the, the the product category is digital asset management, which we deliver, you know, as software as a service. Um, and you know, in doing so, that's the category. But you can put the label on the category. But to me, we've got a really important mission. And you know, the digital assets that we take care of, it's it's the best of marketing creativity. And we really see it as our mission to take that marketing creativity and really elevate it into the heart of digital experience you know marketing is very digital now um there's a lot of technology involved but at the end of the day it's really the spark it's that the heart of that creative story that makes the difference and we really want to make sure that's part of digital experience and help brands use that to build relationships with their customers excellent so i mean a lot of things you're, you're trying to help marketers do but just to to unpack a little bit you know digital asset management what exactly do you mean by that? What, what exactly is the software doing for marketers? Yes, yeah, sure. It's, um, it's a good question. You know, at its core, digital asset management is the system of record, if you will, for marketing content. It's that single source of truth. Uh, and that's what it originally was. But, but through its history, digital asset management, or, or DAM in short, has actually taken on a much bigger role. You know, so we really kind of see... Um, digital asset management is in a, in, a, in a third wave, right? The first wave, you know, like most software, it was, um, it was software that the IT organization ran on-premise uh, and it had a pretty narrow scope. It handled big media files for broadcasting and publishing companies. But um, Binders was one of the vendors that then came along and pioneered uh, DAM delivered as a service with user interaction that was really great, really well designed and um, accessible to all marketers. And, and DAM became the system of record across the marketing organization, the place for uh, assets and to management, manage the content lifecycle. And so that's been kind of the paradigm that's really seen a lot of the, the industry growth and, and DAM become very main, mainstream. But in the last year or so, um, you know, as the economy 
rapidly went digital, right? A trend that was already happening, but accelerated by the pandemic. Um, marketers shifted and, and as we're in a digital first world, um, digital experience became really just mission critical for most marketers. And you really don't have digital experience without creative content. So the need to have creative content powering great digital experience has a whole bunch of new needs that have really kind of started this third wave of dam where the dam is it's sitting in the core marketing technology infrastructure next to data next to analytics and driving a personalized digital experience uh, to touch points so started out as the system of record for assets but now it manages the complete asset life cycle including powering personalized digital experiences so it's come a long way in the in the couple of decades so i mean that's really interesting you've covered a a lot of things there and i just like to to dig into a couple um particularly so you talked about originally being the um the system of record for digital assets so uh, explain that to me is is that helping marketers make sure they have the right images the right version of the images what do you mean by by that terminology yes you've you've put your finger on on the core of it um maybe one way to think of it is when when customers first come to us, first get into the market for digital asset management. Everyone puts files somewhere, right? Even if you're just a startup with one person and typically they're putting them on either, you've got um, you know, computers there in the enterprise, your own servers and you're storing things there. Uh, maybe it's on SharePoint or people are using Dropbox or Box uh, as a service and they're just dumping their files into folders there. But the problem with that is it's these systems aren't designed to figure out they're not designed to make it easy for people to find content. They're not designed to make sure people find the right content, content through versioning, uh, things that are approved, you know, things like that. So, you know, the first time damn buyer is usually solving the kinds of operational pains you're talking about of, you know, making sure people can find the right assets, making sure it's easy for people to find them so that the content team isn't kept busy just emailing things to people. Um, the content team isn't worried about people using the wrong asset because the only the right one is available and then managing managing the workflow of creating content. You know, what's what's in work and process, what's approved, what is revisions that are needed, etc. So that's some of the baseline things people buy uh, digital asset management to solve. And, and then you you talked about how it extends to actually serving content dynamically. So are people pulling um you know the, these digital assets these images and uh, other content directly from the dam using a marketing automation system onto their website how, how does that work right well so first um in, in people are still absolutely you know individual marketers uh, are going to the dam and grabbing assets as needed right i mean there's lots of things that are physical in nature right like oh we need new um need to print new uh posters for the store um, but yeah, the, when it comes to powering the digital experience now, yeah, that's exactly right. Integration with the marketing stack has really become a critical part of what, what, a, what a digital asset management does. So we've, a digital asset management system does. And so you mentioned marketing automation tools. That's definitely, um, a critical one. You know, the, the, the most critical integration point is typically with the CMS, uh, or the, the content management system that powers the website or the digital experience platform powering the website. Um, also integrations with, with e-commerce, right? Making sure that the right um, product images are, are, are served 
that are right for the device, responsive to the type of device, that are optimized uh, to have a fast experience. Um, and then, but there's also, Mike, there's also uh, integration upstream, uh, for example, into the creative tools that, 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 marketer, that creative marketers will use to generate original assets and things like that. So that we're able to integrate with those things, bring those into the, uh, into the life, asset lifecycle. We're able to take assets and actually help uh, automate the process of creating all the versions and variations that modern market, marketing typically needs. And then we'll also integrate into um, workflow tools if, if a marketing organization has, you know, uh, a Rike, a Workfront, or something like that. We can integrate with there. So it really, integration is really the name of the game, um, you know, after you've solved those initial kind of pains of just having the right asset available. That's, that, that's amazing. I mean, it sounds like the, the, the dam almost disappears and it just becomes this resource that's available everywhere and it's not seen as a, a separate system. I think I think that's the idea. Of yeah. course, we've still got you know um, the dam administrators, right? Do just the critical work of making sure the system's running. You know, making sure that the permissions work, that the metadata that's used to categorize assets is is logical and up to date. So you do have kind of a core group of folks who are the um, you know tend to the care and feeding. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of the a lot of the the important then use of the assets happens uh, machine to machine, uh, if you will. Cool. Um, I, I mean, just hearing the range of, of capabilities, I, I'm interested to know what drives a company to buy a dam. Is it is it because they get into trouble because they're they've got people using the wrong versions or using you know images that the license has expired on or something, or are people buying dams with with this idea of creating you know a complete integrated system from day one? Yeah, the answer is both. I think we we at Binder we usually think of the problems we solve and, and the value we deliver as just kind of three levels, if you will. And the first level is, is, is one of the things you mentioned that that operational pain of it just marketers are wasting time getting the right asset to people. People are using the wrong asset out of date assets, um, those sorts of things. And, and it's, um, it's kind of narrow operational pain, but it can be big. So uh, for example, one customer of ours, uh, Axo Nobel, you know, when you look at across the organization of every employee having difficulty finding things, they were wasting over a thousand hours a month in aggregate. Wow. And just solving that operational pain can still have big um, returns for the business. So that's operational pain. But the, the second level is really around helping marketing teams achieve um, success with critical initiatives. So think you know, big brand pivots, as we saw a lot, you know, in 2020, um, rolling out new products, going into a new geography, integrating an acquisition, um, or a rebranding. And so one example would be uh, Nordea is a customer of ours. They're a um, bank with a strong footprint across Northern Europe, had lots of different, uh, you know, look and feel in the different geographies they covered. And they had a, um, a goal of, of rebranding with a a, a geography-wide consistent brand, and they just realized that was going to be tough to be successful if people couldn't find the new assets that instantiate the brand. So, by having a single system of record, it was super easy to use. Everyone across the company was able to get the right things, and the and the, that that rebranding effort was successful. So that's kind of achieving critical marketing objectives. That second level, and then the third is the other thing that you mentioned. 
where it really is company strategic value, right? And again, being successful with digital transformation, um, having a digital experience that sustains and grows the business, that's that kind of third strategic level of value that we're that we're starting to see Dan play more of a role in. Thanks, Andrew. That that I mean, that's great. I, I'm I, I'm interested actually. It sounds like people are, are buying dams with a relatively short outlook. Yet dams have got all these integrations and and um, you know potentially their complexity. Is it hard to to deploy and use a dam, or you know is it easier than it sounds? So when we moved out of the first wave, when it was kind of software that IT ran uh, into the second wave, that was one of the key things that happened, right? Is, you know, Binder um, pioneered delivering DAM as a service, you know, software as a service, yeah. which, you know, one of its characteristics is it's a heck of a lot easier. You don't need to do a lot of installation. You know, you're, you're basically logging in with a browser. So that made it a lot easier uh, to deploy. Uh, there is, um, to really get the most out of DAM, there is some level of work that goes into it. And a lot of it's just around thinking through how you want your content, you know, to look at, you know, what, what's that, um, you know, what does the metadata need to look like? What is the, what is the, the ways you're going to look at your library, if you will. And if you think about when you search for products, you know, in e-commerce, and if you go to like a, uh, an electronics, you know, vendor, you know, like Best Buy or Carphone Warehouse, you know, you go there and you can slice into, you know, these dimensions of, of, of home versus auto and, you know, speakers uh, versus cassette versus turntable versus CD, audio versus uh, video. There's a number of these dimensions, right, that, that you want to kind of think through what are right for your content. And so there, you want to invest a little bit in that because that's then what makes it super easy for marketers and for employees uh, and indeed, at the end of the day, customers to find what they're looking for. So you want to have a little bit of thought there, um, but you can get it been running pretty quickly for those basic um, work, you know, solving those problems around operational problems of finding the right asset. You know, the integration into the marketing stack, that, that, that is something also that takes more time. That's, uh, you know, you're, you're plugging software together. And even though we've got 50 odd, you know, pre-made connectors, you still want to do that right. Uh, and sometimes, you know, sophisticated large enterprises actually will will code to our API to be able to integrate with their tech stack exactly the way they want. So it kind of you know it varies on the according to the scope of what a customer is trying to accomplish. Great. I mean, it sounds like there, there's just multiple levels of what you can do that that it you know introduce obviously more complexity but more functionality. Definitely. Um. I, I've got to ask this, you know, you've talked about all these amazing capabilities and, and you know, some, some very large customers, you know, are dams expensive? Are they, they just, you know, really for large enterprises or can smaller companies benefit? I think one of the great things about the SaaS model is it really does help even the playing field of um, companies able to access the very same software, regardless of the size of the company, right? You don't, you don't need to have your own large IT department who can set up servers, run servers, install software, right? It's delivered by a SaaS, you know, Binder and other SaaS vendors take care of all of that. So there's definitely a lot of the, you know, even of the playing field. And um, yeah, we've got, we've got customers that, that, that run the gamut, right? From, you know, some of the largest brands in the world um, all the way down to, you know, startups that, 
are really digital first and content is a huge part of their growth plans, but they're, um, you know, less than a hundred people. So it really does, you know, run the gamut. I think thinking recently, right, we've got customers, large enterprises, you know, like Herman Miller in the furniture space, but then we've also got amazing customers like human scale, which is a smaller provider, but doing every bit as good things and able to, they've got to make the same sort of brand pivots, right? When, um, the world backs away from the office uh, and, and spin up uh, direct-to-consumer businesses, spin up work-from-home categories, um, and they're able to do that just as well as multi-billion dollar companies. Interesting. I, I, I mean, you mentioned this this move to direct-to-consumer, and I can see you know, how being able to serve personalized content would, would help. I mean, do you still see a big demand in in what I call, you know, the conventional big B two B sector? So people selling, you know, large engineering products or something to um, other organisations. Yes, definitely. Um, what we refer to as uh, uh, industrials, large B two B companies like that, is one of one of our um, strongest industries, and there. If you think about what they're offering, you can see how digital asset management is important, right? Um, these sorts of companies are like, take a Sagenta as, as, a, as a customer. They've got hundreds or perhaps even thousands, right, of products, lots of technical detail about it that needs to be served up correctly. So there's a lot of kind of, you know, complexity in what the offering is uh, that they've got. And, uh, and it needs to be just right because these are, you know, industrial sorts of products. You can't have errors in there. Sometimes it's regulated, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in the case of like, you know, healthcare related things, pharmaceuticals, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's um, that's one of our our strongest use cases. A lot of complexity there that digital asset management can help tame. And there, it sounds like you're saying they're they're using Binder to make sure that. You know, for example, if somebody's interested in a product, they're serving up the right photo and the right data and the right information. Is that is is that how they're using it? That's right. That's exactly right. Yep. It's um, sometimes it's integrated with other technology such as um, product information management or PIM mm -hmm. that that's going to have a lot of that um, you know technical specifications around industrial products. And um, Binder will serve up, you know, imagery or perhaps documents related to it, you know, guides, how-to videos, things like that. Interesting. Um, one of the things I think a lot of people might be interested in is, is obviously um, Binder or another dam will serve up content. But how does that interact with, you know, following style guides? Is, is there a way to use a dam to ensure that you're you know, observing more of the, the rules and regulations in a style guide. Absolutely. That, that's a great example, Mike, of some functionality that, um, that digital asset management has added, you know, as it's evolved from its, its, its early days as just storing big media files. Um, yeah, and, and so, you know, initially what happened is, you know, um, brands will have a style guide. It's a static document, and that's one of the things that's actually in the dam. So you can go find the style guide. But um, you know, in the last few years, it's become much more popular to actually have the style guide be more of a living um, HTML-based um, document. Isn't really even right the world. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a brand guideline. It's accessible. It's accessible online. Um, 
and much more dynamic than kind of static PDFs. So things can change on the fly. You've got new logos. They're instantaneously updated. You're not worrying about some agency or business partner having an old style guide, you know, as a PDF sitting on their hard drive. So that's definitely um, one of the more popular, uh, typically add-on modules for digital asset management. Interesting. So you presumably then have people with different access rights to be able to update different areas of the style guide, for example, or, or simply be able to read the style guide and, and not change it. Sure, that's right. A lot of times it's publicly available, right? I mean, like you said, it's, uh, owning the style guide is the, the job of uh, the creative team, the brand team. Uh, and then, you know, a, a solution like Binder lets you have very fine-grained um, access and, and rights such that it could be made available to partners or, you know, a lot of them, um, uh, you know, like Burton, fully available. Anyone can see it. They're, they're happy to have people see all the great stuff that they've got. Great. No, I, I mean, that sounds really interesting. Um, and another feature we, we touched on and didn't really go into any detail was, was versioning. Does this mean that, that a product like Binder can help people during the development of assets as well as serving finished assets? Yes, that's been one of the, you know, the areas that DAM has grown into, you know, managing that whole content life cycle. There's a, there's an element of just kind of managing a creative process where, you know, okay, who's going to develop this one? Which of the creative team do they have a, when they have a rev, who reviews it, who approves it, what comments are made, get incorporated, then finalized. So it's kind of a, a workflow um, element. But I think uh, one thing that's really uh, exciting at that kind of uh, the, the value that Dan brings to the content creation process is to automate and distribute a lot of the simple but high frequency changes that need to be made to content in a globalized digital world. So if you if you if we let's take a, a hypothetical um, um, English brand, British brand that's doing languages across the continent, maybe five different languages they need to uh, localize to. Let's say that they're advertising across Google and Facebook. Google has 12 different IAB standard um, content sizes and formats they use. Uh, Facebook mm -hmm. has five. And then let's say they're really um, ahead of the curve and trying to do A-B testing for just about everything they do, right? To, to test their way to the most effective uh, content. So for each ad or each piece of digital content they want to create, if they're doing all of that, that's 20 size versions, five different languages, and two different um, uh, testing variations. That's about 200 versions of each piece of content. So a lot to be done, way too much for uh, individual creatives to do. But since those changes are very uh, simple, they're straightforward, they're repeated, those are the kind of things that DAM can help use templates to share the work of creating localized versions, share these all these versions, or automate some of them in some cases, and really not completely overwhelm the creative team. So they're, they're, the DAM is... is um, effectively providing the template and then um, the team responsible for localization is perhaps just putting in the um, the local language is that is that how it's working or is it more complex that's that's essentially right I, the only element I would add to that um, quick story is you know up front the creative team 
uh, they are creating the template. So they're using their usual tools, you know, frequently something like Adobe's uh, Creative Cloud mm -hmm. to create that initial asset. But instead of creating a final asset, they're creating something that's going to intentionally be turned into a template. Binder takes that asset and then allows the creative team to set the, um, the guardrails, if you will, of that template. You know, what are the things that the local marketing teams are going to be able to change? Um, maybe they could use, um, you know, only a, only the colors that are in the official uh, style guide. Um, maybe they're allowed to change the call to action copy. They can switch out the images, but only for ones that are, you know, approved for usage within the dam. So the, the creative team, cr you know, puts those guidelines, puts those guardrails along around what is permitted for the downstream teams to do. But then, just as you said, then the, the local teams can can localize the copy for their language or, you know, if it's a social media team, it's another big use case, they can um, uh, uh, change exactly what's said, uh, the images, right, so they're relevant to whatever social media conversation is interesting for the day. Um, and this can be done for images and video. But yeah, so it's template gets created, Dan serves the template, and then marketers are allowed to really much more quickly kind of take that piece of content and then do that last bit of, of, of personalization, of tweaking, of localization for their needs on their own much faster. And, and that's really how you can kind of scale content creation um, to support the volumes needed for, you know, modern digital experience. And, and is that one of the, the driving factors behind, um, you know, the, the growth of Binder and the, and the use of dams is, the amount of digital content, particularly if you want to A/B test and you want to localize, is is just getting huge compared to what it used to be, um, where people perhaps were doing you know more conservative digital activities than perhaps some more conventional print. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, supplying the volume of creative needed to fuel personalized digital experience is absolutely you know just the one of the kind of key growth drivers. I mean, that's one of the again, it's it's big enough that we think of it as this third wave of dam. Um, you know, it's it's the volume, but it's also the speed and the agility, right? Things happen fast digitally. You've got to, um, you can't be executing entire multi-week workflows um, if you're trying to fuel digital campaigns these days. So it's the volume, it's the agility, but it's also the productivity. You, we, we have to maintain bandwidth for our creatives to still do what they do best which is coming up with you know impactful visual storytelling that can grab an audience in that microsecond we've got when they view an ad online right and engage them and, and, and build the brand online so we've got to accomplish all three of these and taking care of the the digital drudge work if you will by having the dam help with that, throwing software at that problem. I think that's the key to to making it work. Interesting. And I think everyone would would love their creatives to spend more time on the the real creative ideas and and less time on the production and producing the variants. That sounds like a, a huge benefit. Absolutely. Well thank you so much for talking about Binder and, and dams and how you know digital has changed um, the way we think about assets I, I mean do you feel there's anything i've missed or anything else you'd like to cover I, I you know we got to we got to talk about what i think is exciting right the way the way content is really acknowledged now is is a critical part of digital experience for for a lot of my career we've talked about data 
the analytics, machine learning, all those sorts of things, which is critical. But at the end of the day, it's about having great content and putting it in front of the customer at the right time. And I really, it's great to see that um, creativity is kind of getting its acknowledgement and getting its due, you know, even though things are so digital and so technology driven these days. Perfect. And then lastly, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this who will be, uh, you know, thinking, well, I really need some of these benefits for my um, my organization, my marketing team. So if people wanted to get in contact with you, what would be the best way? For for getting in touch with the company, you know, the website BYNDER.com is, is straightforward. And we um, we have a lot of conversations, you know, through through chat on the website now. So that's that's great. Um, People can find me very easily through LinkedIn at, uh, or uh, Twitter at Andrew J. Holly, H-A-L-L-Y.com. Uh, sorry, at Andrew J. Holly uh, or on LinkedIn. Love to, I always love hearing from people. I I just think what we do is so interesting and, uh, you know, we're blessed to be able to do it and have somebody pay for it. So I'd love to talk to other like-minded people. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for your time, Andrew. I, I really appreciate it. It's been a fascinating conversation. I've enjoyed it as well, Mike. Stay safe. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.